Hello everybody, welcome to It Was Tuesday with your host James Chen. Uh, I, aka Jay Chenzor, I'm a little tired today. My sleep, just insomnia, has been kicking my ass. But you know what? We soldier through these things and we keep bringing you up to speed on everything that's happening in the fighting game community uh, these days. I know uh, a lot of stuff I've been talking about has been more Street Fighter 6 oriented these days, but clearly that is uh, what uh, a lot of people have been talking about. So, uh, you know. Uh, it is uh, more on the forefront of news. And speaking of, uh, just want to talk a little bit about the Capcom Pro Tour. Now, I know it says new CPT format here, but uh, there's been nothing announced. Sorry for the pseudo clickbaity title over here. But uh, what I'm trying to talk about here is maybe talking about what Capcom Pro Tour can do in the future for next year, uh, spurred on by, you know, just... Oh man, offline is just, it's so wonderful. I already had a video talking all about, you know, maybe we should get, hopefully Capcom Pro Tour gets more to uh, offline again. But I kind of want to talk about this topic in a little bit more detailed fashion because this is a very nuanced topic here. This is not just as simple as Capcom should do this. Yay! So, uh, you know... Um, Let's actually talk a little bit more about this. But how did this, why did this come back up again? Why am I talking about this again? Well, uh, if you remember in the past couple of weeks, I've been doing recaps uh, mostly because we just had like 14 qualifiers for the CPT for Capcom Cup 10 uh, happen in the, in like in the span of a weekend. Well, there's been a few extra ones that have happened. Uh, we did not get a chance to talk about Ren. Uh, a DJ player who has qualified from South Africa. And then uh, Juninho Raz, a Luke player, qualified from Brazil's World Warrior. And so he will be going to Capcom Cup X. And then Samuel, a jury player, won the Spain and Portugal World Warrior. And he is now making it to Capcom Cup as well. The interesting thing is this one uh, about the Spain and Portugal one is that they actually ran their World Warrior Finals offline. And so uh, this clip came out of the uh, offline event. So let's go here. I have it here on Twitter here. Oops. Uh, but let me full screen it for you guys so you guys can see the whole thing over here and uh, make sure the volume doesn't kill us here. So that should be good. Let's do this. So this clip came from the Spain-Portugal World Warrior Finals, which they actually played offline. This is final game, final round, by the way. Samuel. Samuel, 
And so that clip came up, and what it did was uh, really kind of spur on the whole offline discussion again. Obviously, uh, Blink Respawn and Dominican Republic was a great event, but you see how exciting that was right there just for, you know, a small region here, Spain and Portugal and Samuel qualifying and you see how hyped the audience is. We get to see the players reaction instantaneously. We get the drama and we get the, we get a better idea of the weight of what it means to qualify for Capcom Cup. And so we've been getting a lot of people, including Damascus, including Logan Sama, including uh, even myself, you know, talking about online how, gosh, like, offline is just fantastic. And again, I, I had a whole video talking about this recently, uh, but, you know, a lot of people out here are saying that we really, really need to get back to offline premieres like we used to a long time ago. And, uh, you know, that and, and maybe a point system, maybe whoever wins the premieres just qualifies. But despite that, I mean, like in the past, if you won one of the premieres, you basically qualified because you just got enough points. So it basically counted. But what it did was rewarded a lot of people who would get many top eights but never win, right? Because then they can get in via points by building up points from the second places and such. And so that's important. But, you know, having these offline premieres, having this storyline, having this kind of interest and intrigue in, you know, who's going to qualify and seeing the emotions, seeing the, uh, the excitement, having the crowd, the energy, everything like that is just basically second to none. I mean, you just watch that Spain and Portugal clip right there. And it's like, I swear to God, the guy just won like, you know, Capcom Cup already. And all he did was just win his birth into Capcom Cup. And, you know, you can already get the, ex the, the feeling of excitement. You can already get the feeling of just absolute elation. You know, we don't have to wait, you know, 10 minutes for an online interview after they've already calmed down and stuff. You know, it's right there. The passion is right there. The energy is right there. And that's something that I, I feel like we miss a lot of right now. However, you know, it's easy to say Capcom should just jump back to offline premieres, include Combo Breaker, CEO, and UFA, and all these events. You know, it's just, it's really easy to say that. But let's think about this really carefully, especially from a perspective of where Capcom Cup is coming from, where Capcom is coming from, right? Obviously, uh, coordinating with a lot of different events like that is a lot of work. And in the past, you know, it's been a kind of a give and take kind of relationship with a lot of these events, right? So, for example, uh, in the past, if you remember, these top eights were always run on Capcom's channel. So in other words, if you were Combo Breaker, if you were CEO, when you got to the, let's just say Street Fighter VI closes out the event, the last thing that you, everybody watches is no longer on CEO Gaming or on the Combo Breaker channel. They're all on the Capcom Fighters channel. This makes it very difficult for a lot of the offline tournaments to get as many sponsors and stuff because then they're just like 
uh, hi, yeah, the super hype thing that everybody's going to be watching at the end won't be on our channel. And uh, it's just going to be whatever sponsors Capcom has that's going to be running over there. And so uh, there's a little bit of trickiness with that, right? So we've got to consider the fact that, you know, going back to offline can actually be problematic for a lot of these events for getting their own sponsors because they can't even say the time when the stream is going to be watching the most is going to be you know uh on the channel that the event is for and so that's always kind of a little a bit of an issue here and and you know is that something that wants to be maintained do we want to change that so that the events can run it themselves, you know? That's one of the cool things about the way that Capcom has done World Warrior, is the World Warrior events are continually streamed on the actual, uh, you know, local TO's channel. So they actually get to, you know, uh, promote their channel, they get to reap the benefits of their own sponsors and stuff. Heck, even in the clip that we just saw over here, you can actually see at the bottom of the screen, they actually have their own sponsors down here, this Impact Legion and uh, Domino's. In fact, Impact and Legion, I think, are two separate things over here. But, you know, they actually have their own sponsors here, which really helps out their own scene, right? Just having that ability and having your own sponsors is really, really beneficial. So, you know, is this something that we want to do? Well, uh, again, you know... Um, we do want to get back to offline. We do want to get back to offline. And the reason why it would want to be streamed on the Capcom Fighters channel is because if you actually look at what's going on right now, Capcom is clearly benefiting from having their own Capcom Fighters channel broadcasting all of these t online top eights. They have content on their channel nearly every week that everybody wants to tune into on the weekends, these CPT online premieres. Well, they're probably not getting boffo numbers that, you know, that these little individual events like a CEO or a Combo Breaker and Evo might get. You know, this allows their channel to continue to have content, you know, alongside sets and, you know, they get to produce these no neutral clips and everything like that. So these online premieres that they're running is very beneficial to Capcom to have every every single week, right? And uh, if we go to pure offline, uh, again, Capcom will be losing that. And is that the, 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 the right way to go? Is that something Capcom's willing to give up? And is it right to, to, to say, you know, to Capcom, like, yeah, you know what? Offline is better. Screw your own, you know, marketing growth and all this stuff like this. Now, I do have to throw in one little caveat in here is obviously it's easy for me in the position that I'm in to be like Capcom should keep online premiere so they can keep hiring me to do commentary so I can keep making money. Well, to be fair, uh, when we were traveling to events that were the offline premieres, you know, Capcom was, I mean, they had a bigger budget for that. And so we actually got paid more for doing those events than we are getting paid right now for doing the offline events. So, uh, you know, switching to offline might actually be more beneficial for me 
but it also depends on how often they fly everybody out and everything like that. And that's a whole different story. So outside of that, let's, let's, uh, I, I promise I'm talking about this from the context that not for my own personal gain. Okay. So <laughs> I'm trying my best to talk about this from an aspect that is beneficial to everyone. Right. And so again, Capcom running these offline premieres gives them content every week. And so, you know, I was thinking about it. Maybe what they can do instead is they can have the World Warrior events, but the World Warrior finals are always run on Capcom's channel, right? But then the problem is that now you have to schedule them out so that the World Warriors all happen at different times because, as you see, we just had, like, 20 qualifiers in two weekends because all of the World Warriors are happening at the same time once a month, right? If we actually switch it so that the World Warriors start and then, like, five weeks, six weeks in a row for one region, that's a lot to commit to as a player, you know, to make sure you play all every World Warrior in like the span of six weeks. It's a lot to commit to. So having it once a month, I think is a little bit more fair for the players. But then at that point, if you have it once every month, then all the World Warriors are gonna finish at the same time. Capcom's not gonna be able to run all the finals on their channel week after week after week, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, you know, it, it's, it's kind of this weird situation where how do we resolve this? How do we get to the point where we can get back to as many offline events as we can, as well as allowing Capcom to be able to continue to, you know, have content every single weekend for themselves like this. Now, you know, one of the ways that's an easy solution on paper is just do all of it. <laughs> just do all of it, right? Because uh, why not have the online premieres, the World Warrior, and have all the offline qualifiers, right? Why not? Why not? Right. So, you know, uh, Peter0611 says uh, CC should have the best players in the world and good regional representation. Currently, it's skewed, skewed too much in favor of the regional rep. Yeah. So that's something, you know, I, I thank you for bringing that up because that is something I wanted to mention early on is that one of the downsides of the current format is that, you know, uh, East only has... <laughs> U.S. East, where Knuckle Do, Mena RD, Punk, and Idom all result, re, 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 reside in, only two of them can really realistically make it out of that region, right? So does that mean we will never have a, CP, a, a, a Capcom Cup again where all four of them are there? Like, does that feel right? Like, that doesn't feel right at all. To, to, to say, oh, we're, if this format continues, we'll never be able to see Idom, Punk, Knuckle Dew, and Mena RD in the same Capcom Cup. That just sounds crazy. And Japan, I mean, let's talk about Japan. Like Tokido, uh, Initial D. Volvo asks, has Tokido even qualified? No, Tokido has not qualified. Kakeru has not qualified. Bonchan has not qualified. Daigo has not qualified. Moke has not qualified. Uh, there are so many Japanese players that are ridiculous and we will never see more than perhaps three or four of them if we include the Singapore and the France offline possibilities. Uh, we're never gonna see a big chunk of them make it to Capcom Cup anymore. 
and so I think it's 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 we're in a situation right now where, you know, the the regional representation is awesome, but do the fans, do the viewers feel like they're getting the proper representation of the talent? Again, to be fair, the regional representation is awesome. I love it. I love that Samuel from Spain-Portugal qualifier got to be that excited. And he, this is a chance of a lifetime to show his stuff. Jabi M, who actually made it to Capcom Cup last year, continuing his run with uh, qualifying again this year and having that Red Bull Kumite uh, match against Tokido that he won. You know, those things are, are really, really cool to have, right? <laughs> yeah, at present, Capcom Cup Finals doesn't feel like a true best of the best representation. That's one of the, the tough things. And Shade says, with the amount of money on the online, I think, this, I think the stiff competition makes it hard to qualify anyway. For sure. But again, if we did multiple offline premieres where you actually build up points, that would spur the people to travel more. You know, the, the events that are Capcom Cup qualifiers would get better attendance because now people would be like, oh shit, Tokido's flying out to our region. I'm going to this event because I can now watch Mena versus, I heard Mena, Punk, Tokido, Daigo, and, you know, uh, Mr. Crimson and Problem X are all coming to Texas or coming to Brazil or coming to, you know, uh, uh, Thailand to come and play these events oh my god like that's just cool for a lot of the events that's what I talked about in the last episode where I talked about this and shout outs to you guys uh, I'm 68% hype train that's really cool thank you for that um, the format where some people criticize players farming points at offline events was always silly yes they lucky to afford to travel but they were always good enough to farm the dang points so basically what you're saying is that you know a lot of people have complained about the point system is that you know it's only the people who can afford to travel or have the sponsors it's a very the rich get richer kind of uh format right uh you don't get the like samuel from spain portugal will never succeed uh in a situation where he's forced to travel to a whole bunch of events but in this instance here we have him able to make it to capcom cup and represent and that is something super cool again like i said i love the regional stuff i love the world warrior i love the online cpt and I think both of them should coexist. I think it all should coexist. You know, um, you know. Uh, I know some people online have suggested the World Warrior is good enough. We don't need the online CPT. But again, that is something that benefits Capcom very well by having these events every week. It's a constant presence in people's minds. We're watching CPT online premieres week after week. And again, I will repeat it. It's easy for me to sound like it's easy to sound like I want this to happen because they hire me. I live close to the studio and it benefits me. But I, like I said, I want to approach this from a fair point of view to Capcom as well. They're in this for the business. They're trying to find ways to make this work as well. And maybe that does taint my vision a little bit here, you know, of, of how I want it to go. Uh, but I, I promise I'm trying my best not to have my own personal gains uh, be a factor in this equation. So, again, uh, what I was saying a little bit earlier is that maybe the correct answer is to have all of it, <laughs> 
right? <laughs> All of it, you know, as Shay said, consistency should get rewarded and storylines only flourish in constant international battles. We need worldwide leaderboard in our scene. Yes, absolutely. And it is such a great story to follow. And it's something that's just uh, wonderful to, to see. You know, I feel like they could also just increase the allocation from the US and Japan, which is a possibility, but also feels kind of unfair. Like we're just like it feels like it's uh i mean to be fair you know when you have spain portugal and you have another france and you have a germany and you have all these things all that region in europe is about is might even be smaller in area than the u.s but remember the u.s also has six of them right the, the u.s has six qualifiers already right uh they have two west two midwest and two east coasts already right so they already have six-player representation uh, from the U.S., which is more than fair. It just so happens that a lot of our best players are all on the East Coast, so it's kind of, eh, it's kind of a little uh, wonky that way, right? So it's a tough situation. So again, let's just do all of it, right? Well, <laughs> that is an expensive proposition for Capcom. That is a lot of money to spend. <laughs> because what we're doing is increasing the number of participants in the tournament, right? What we have right now is what, 32 entrants for Capcom Cup? If we do all of it, what do we expand that to? Do we expand that to 64 players? You know, my uh, thought is maybe 48 players and I'll get to that in just a little bit. But again, that is, let's just say we go 48 players. That is 48 players that we need to qualify, that we need to fly out and book hotel rooms for. That's expensive, man. Like that is a lot of budget. Uh, for traveling and I'm sure Capcom and you know the, the production team and everything for 32 players is already pretty much stretching the budget there in doubling it to 64 players is brutal absolutely brutal right to make it cheap the LCQ qualifies more people I mean that is an option because then all the people traveling would be doing it on their own dime which is kind of crazy um, see, let's see, I, I'm going to address a lot of the things in the chat over here. So every major sport in the world rewards consistency. Yes, that is true. Uh, absolutely true. Let me scroll up a little bit over here. You know, uh, Champions League spots in Europe is for top four who played 38 games all season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the local World Warriors commentary opportunities and, you know, local talent gets to show off their stuff like this. So this, uh, this tournament over here that we saw that was ran over there is Impact by Legion. These guys, uh, uh, if I can find my other tweet over here, Samuel actually uh, tweeted this himself. He said, I hope Capcom fighters notice what Impact uh has done with our world warrior here in spain and portugal they are truly professional and they love fighting games so much they love what we what they 
They love what they do and we enjoy these events thanks to their hard work. So again, you know, in this little clip here, you can see a lot of the production that they did over here to run this. And yeah, it does give a lot of opportunity for the local areas to showcase a lot of their stuff and what it is that they do. So it is for sure something that, you know, is great about the World Warriors. So again, it, it's, it's, it is this kind of situation where we want to reward the regions and then also we want to reward the consistency. And uh, it's, a, it's a really tricky situation. So, you know, another suggestion in the chat, they need to cut World Warrior spots in half, given we have good net code, you know, merge some of them. That is definitely a possibility. Uh, I said, you know, potentially doing uh, 48 spots. So the reason why I was thinking of 48 spots is that what we could do is have 32 players qualify from the regions for the one-time online CPT and then the uh, World Warriors, right? So let's actually have 32 players qualify the way that they qualified this year outside of the, the, the Evo and, and France and, you know, or I'm sorry, 30, try to get like two players qualified from the LCQ and have uh, 30 players qualify from the, uh, the regions. And so what happens now, how does that work for a bracket, right? Well, if we give 16 players a buy, that means the, we can run a first round of 32 players, right? If we give the first round a buy and maybe the regional players, they have to just play a one and done <laughs> kind of situation to get into the top 32, right? So all of the regional winners, they get flown out to Capcom Cup, but, the, but see, the whole thing is they do pools as well. They're not actually doing the brackets. So we could do it, oh man. See, now that I think about it, I was just thinking from a pure bracket standpoint. So my idea was having a pure bracket and having the 32 from the World Warriors and the uh, online CPTs play against each other and then they eliminate the other guy and there's 16 left and then they go into the full double elimination bracket. But it also sucks to have the players only play one match and be eliminated from the tournament. So they could do pools, that, but you see what I mean? There's a lot of logistical nightmare, as Chad Mode has said in the chat, right? So uh, this year, Pro Tour is 48 players. Is it 48 players? I thought it was. Uh, uh, let's see here. Cat Cami 6 has the graphic. Oh, you're right. It is, for, it is 48 players already. How am I doing that then? <laughs> So maybe they can go up to 64 players. They can add another few spots to go up to 64 players, but how does that work? If there's 26 regions for World Warriors, no, was there 26 regions for World Warrior? Shoot, my math is all messed up right now. I am super confused here, shoot. For some reason I thought it was 32 players this whole time, but you're right, it is 48 players, Guhawk. Oh man, okay, now my math is all screwed up. Well, then, then we can actually do the 64-man uh, bracket, extend it to another 16 players, and get it to 64 players instead. And that way you can have the offline and the online, and then maybe have two streams running at the same time so that at Capcom Cup, you can actually give more opportunity for the commentators to commentate more matches as well, right?
But yeah, Shay actually kind of sums it up really well. Bottom line is something has to give in. This world is not as utopian as we want to have it all, not for the FTC at least. The whole point that I'm trying to make here is that this is not an easy answer to have, right? So right now we are rewarding regions, but we aren't rewarding the consistency. We aren't getting the best players necessarily uh, to compete at Capcom Cup because can you imagine if Kakeru does not make it, right? If Kakeru actually doesn't make it, right? So JNV is doing a little bit of the math. If we have 64, you know, minus 52 for 26 regions, but there's some, it's not 26, I, they said 26 regions, but the problem is it's only 48 players. So I'm not sure if the online qualifier, because online qualifiers, okay, online qualifiers, for example, it's U.S. Canada West and U.S. Canada East. And the World Warriors are separate, Canada West, Canada East, U.S. West and U.S. East. So there might be more regions covered by the World Warrior. So the World Warrior, I think, covers probably 26 regions. Four of them are EVO, the two offline, and the, uh, and the last chance qualifier. So that's 26 plus 4, that's 30, 48. So 18, so it's probably 18 CPT online uh, tournaments total for the different regions to qualify. So there's 18 of those, uh, 18 online pre pre premieres, right? Like Guhawk is saying in the chat over here. Dude, I just need to hire Guhawk as my researcher over here. He's been killing this for the past few weeks, uh, helping me out here in the chat. <laughs> um, but uh, if we increase it to 64, then we could add another 16 players from the online, the tops, uh, the offline, the top 16 players from all the offline events, right? And reward the players for the consistency uh, in that fashion, that way. Or maybe even drop the number of World Warriors. Nah, see, I don't want to drop the number of World Warriors. I think it's cool that all the different regions get to show off uh, their players. But like I said, I also don't want to drop off the, the CPT online because... Again, this is valuable for Capcom to be able to have that content to keep everybody interested in Street Fighter VI all year round, right? During the whole entire season. So again, I don't know. 64 players seems like the right way to go. But again, that's super expensive. Is that something Capcom can budget? You know, depending obviously on the success of this year. I mean, they have said that the, you know, $2 million prize pool, when they announced it, was a celebration for the launch. Who even knows if we're going to get $2 million in prizes next year, right? This could be a, uh, I hope not, but this could be a one-time happy thing. And then next year we go back to, you know, the measly $250,000 uh, that the players had been winning before. Although the previous year, the last year for Street Fighter V, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Men RD did get 150000 not the 250 that he got previously that, like, Gachikun and everybody else got. Um, but uh, <laughs> the amount of ads they put on SFL J Japan and everything they stream can pay for the prize pool. <laughs> I, I don't know, because, I mean, obviously, those ads are paying for the production companies, right? 
So the production company that does all of the online premieres that we're seeing over here that, that, you know, that I'm a part of, I mean, that's not cheap, right? You, you, you don't get that kind of production without spending a lot of money. That's what those ads are already paying for, are, are for the staff to actually broadcast these events and to do all the work that we're already doing. So um, uh, having nationwide U.S. calls for a whole Europe would be much more hyped and stacked, though. The net code can probably work that out. Yeah, it would be. Uh, and, you know, if West Coast got screwed in that, you know, all of the U.S. events were won by Knuckledo Punk, uh, Mena RD, and IDOM all on East Coast, all you can say, man, is just get good. <laughs> skill issue right i mean that's really what it comes down to and you know perhaps the net code can make it work perhaps the net code is absolutely uh something that can do or maybe you run a west coast one and an east coast one and it's just the grand finals between the two different sides or or something uh but you know again i, I I'm just yeah so lurker spies is i happily buy a costume or stage or something to help fund the players right that's another thing to look into obviously for budgeting is the is the international method of selling a bunch of stuff and and having it go directly towards the prize pool that's something to look at and capcom certainly is in a structure right now in which they're able to do this my whole thing is that if capcom was smart they would budget more money to this because again a game like street fighter 5 you know, let's face it, based on the way the game launched, had no business lasting seven years, right? Uh, it was really the Capcom Pro Tour that kept the game alive and really kept a lot of the interest in the game going and allowed them to keep going with the seasons and selling 700 uh, Chun-Li costumes. And so, you know, I feel like, you know, dude, the Capcom Pro Tour needs to be something that they really look into budgeting bigger and bigger and bigger every year. So if they can, you know, budget it so they do house and fly out 64 players and, you know, have a lot more money. But then again, the question now is, you know, if there is the events like CPT, like Combo Breaker, like CEO, et cetera, et cetera, how do they rectify the time conflicts if they're also doing CPT online, right? If they're also doing CPT online, then CPT online is gonna be happening on the same weekend as some of these big events. There's gonna be conflicts. How do they resolve that kind of situation? Do they run the CPT online on weekdays? That would be shitty for a lot of people with jobs and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, the whole thing is just the craziest logistical question right now. How do we, how do we resolve all this, man? <laughs> how do we resolve all this, man? Uh, uh, um, so Mike Lee says, it sucks, but consistency and point system is fine. But if you look at other sports and events, almost none of them reward consistency. They reward winning the qualifier. Uh, like you can get third at every qualifier, not make it into the Olympics if you didn't win a qualifier, which is absolutely true as well. Um, I, it's, it's like, honestly, the way Capcom is doing it right now is like the most efficient for them. And it, it's the most beneficial for Capcom. But boy, man, you see that. 
you see that Spain Portugal ending, and you see the crowd, you know, mobbing Samuel as he won. You know, we see stuff like Blink Respawn and how crazy the players were getting for Kaba in grand finals versus Kakeru. And, you know, you just see the energy of offline. You see something like Evo. And again, that brings fans, that brings audiences. The numbers that you get for people watching Combo Breaker and CEO and Evo are always really, really impressive. And so, you know, it's just, you know, there is a little bit of that nostalgia factor for a lot of the old school people who love the offline stuff that you see that and it's so great. Some people have argued that, you know, uh, some of the kids that are playing today aren't used to the offline thing. And so, you know, this online thing is actually preferable to them. Maybe, maybe our generation won't be as interested in offline events as they will be for online events. But I don't think that that's, I don't think that that's true. <laughs> I just, I, like, if you're, I mean, like, Umi Show, for example, uh, Umi Show was at an event recently uh, where she got uh, second place, I think it was. And during the medal ceremony, uh, she said when uh, they announced her as second place, the audience went cheered and crazy and they chanted uh, her name. And she said she got teary-eyed. She got really emotional because you don't get that you know, offline. And she was saying, like, she's rarely had, like, an audience cheer her that much. You know, <laughs> obviously, being a happy chaos player creates enemies, and a lot of people get mad at you when you play happy chaos. Of course, Umi Show had been playing a lot of soul recently, so now maybe she's gotten more enamored with the crowd, etc., etc. Um, um, uh, Poke act or Poke actually says uh, someone should really do a deep analysis of possible systems for CPT and establishing how to get into Capcom Cup champions. Yeah, I mean we've done. We I remember a few years ago a lot of people were doing stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it would be really interesting to go and try to do something like that right now. Aren't there already existing tournaments they could just collaborate with? Yeah, absolutely, and that's what we're talking about by doing the offline event is going back to the combo breakers, the CEOs, the uh, UFAs, the uh, seams, the tiger uppercuts, the you know Japan qualifier, the Taiwan Taiwan fighting major, uh, China, uh, China, you know, events, et cetera, et cetera. Having that kind of thing again, you know, having the players fly around and actually trying to acquire points. That's what we're talking about. Again, I'm not sure how that would work in terms of do they have to run all the Capcom stuff on the Capcom stream again like they used to do, which is tough for a lot of events, for sponsorships, etc., etc. Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting how Capcom... Like, it's, it's tough because... Capcom going back to offline majors is really throwing a bone to the players and the community, right? It's, it's not exactly the most beneficial for them. What they're doing right now is clearly the most beneficial for Capcom. But again, just to generate the interest, the hype, the drama, getting the people outside interested and getting more of a possibility of having Kakeru, Tokido, Bonchan, Fudo, Idom, Punk, <laughs> Mena RD, uh, Knuckle Do, all at, you know, the finals, Mr. Crimson, Problem X, Ending Walker, everybody, 
all there at the same time, which would generate a lot more interest of people tuning into Capcom Cup, it would benefit them as well. It's just it's harder to justify from a, you know, like it, this is a potential kind of thing, whereas the way they're running it right now clearly saves the money as it is, uh, as it's doing right now. So, um... <clears throat> So I found out the CPD announcement with World War II Plus all that it was 202, so I can post a video link if you're interested. Uh, wait, Kenjiro Nakamura says Capcom Cup will be 3 million? Where was that said? Do we actually know that? Uh, what, where, where is that information coming from, Kenjiro? And then, uh, what are you talking about? It, oh, it was 2020. I see. The CPT announcement trailer with World Warrior plus offline events. What did they say in 2020? Uh, someone mentioned... Oh, that's right. Uh, I think Broski pointed out in a video that Capcom was going to implement the World Warrior system in 2020, but it was canceled due to COVID. And it was going to have World Warrior offline events running... To, World Warrior Plus offline events running together. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, with the pandemic and everything and having them go this online route, they probably were like, actually, this works really well. And we like this. So, and it's efficient. Etc. Etc. So, right. So Michael is asking, do we need all those players at Capcom Cup? That's Evo, essentially. Yeah, it's actually true. It's an interesting way to way to think about that, right? That is definitely a way to think about that. Um, you know, maybe that's just not the way that maybe Capcom Cup is supposed to be more about everyone around the world and playing and then finding the best of the best of the best is more of an evil thing you know it was uh it's definitely a way to look at it um uh and then initial devolvo though says i'm definitely less interested when you watch players show up and get washed because they're out of their league but even the last capcom cup even a lot of the players that a lot of people weren't expecting to do well they were in there doing work, some upsets here and there. And again, it's just, it's wonderful to actually have them have their highlight, right? Capcom should make a significant portion of game and microtransaction sales go to Capcom Cup prize pools. Yeah, again, this is something that, you know, it's not just a, a flick of the switch and they can do that. Capcom's really got to have like some meetings and like, talk about it and everything because while Capcom's like this money can go into our pockets or <laughs> we can risk it by spending money on these events that may not necessarily have any really valuable return financially you know uh it's 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 a tricky discussion to have but if Capcom Cup can prove to be extremely profitable and you know and you know be analyzed to prove that it is selling more copies of street fighter 6 you know like the but again like what what's selling copies of street fighter 6 in japan is stuff like the raccoon cup right you know it's not necessarily the capcom cup it'll be curious to see how capcom cup is viewed throughout all the different regions and, and such um so let's see, like if we all wanted our favorite, we all want our favorite players in and everything, but it's impossible to do that. Capcom Cup rewards the winners of the qualifiers in a tournament for qualifiers. Evo is the open bracket. Street Fighter League is for invited hand-picked players. And it's really interesting to think of it that way. Street Fighter League is the invitational. 
Evo is the open bracket, and then the Capcom Cup is more of the world representation kind of uh, situation. Uh, so it does kind of create three different personalities for the different events, which isn't necessarily a, a, a bad concept to that. Uh, I think a good way to do this optional extra payment you can make that adds sparkle to the thing or something, you know, for selling DLC, for example, right? So in other words, you can buy a title, but if you pay an extra dollar, then that money goes into Capcom Cup and it makes your title actually, like, have a gloss to it or something like that. Um, yeah, the regional thing is not bad like the regional thing is really really cool is really really cool um but again you know the main point of this is not necessarily to have a solution i like to bring up these topics and kind of just showcase from a logical standpoint and bring up why in a conversational format why it's not as easy as everybody wants it to be just do this just do that it's never like that right you see the kind of the brain not i can't help but try to think of solutions for everything so my brain is already i'm already racking my brain right now trying to figure out how to make this work and everything but that's not even my job i don't have any reason to do that it's just it's just i like to problem solve but again, my main point of this conversation is really just, uh, this is not as simple as we would like it to be. And there are a lot of questions in the chat, like, is that what we want out of Capcom Cup? Do we really want Capcom Cup to be the best of the best? Or do we just say that is Evo's job more or more or less? Or, you know, do we really want this? Do we really need this or that, et cetera, et cetera? Um, it's it's a it's a tough situation so uh huh <laughs> yeah so basically uh yeah like poke says in the chat the need for reports and analysis for various scenarios that is something that's really important but I mean, the one thing that I can say honestly is that it might be worth Capcom's efforts and finances to try it to actually experiment next year and try to do something like that because then they can get the data right then they do have the information it's not something they have to commit to forever and ever and ever like oh shoot this failed so now we have to keep doing this every year and lose money in capcom cup right like if it doesn't work Sorry, guys, we're going back to the way it was two years ago. It's just online premieres now. You know, it doesn't have to be something they commit to, but it would be really nice if Capcom could experiment with it and then we could actually get, like, more concrete uh, data on exactly how the logistics would work. But again, people have to understand that Anything that we do, if we increase the number of players, if we decide to go more this route or that route, there's so many logistics involved with it more than just, just do it, right? Because again, would, would Combo Breaker and CEO be okay with saying, okay, thanks for being, having us be a premiere event again. We'll stream on your channel. 
Like, is that something they'd be interested in? Or are they at the point right now where Jabali's like, look, man, I'm streaming like this crazy Japanese wrestling, all women's wrestling league on CEO gaming on Twitch right now. Look, I don't need your guys' help. My channel's doing fine. I'd rather stream it on my own channel. So I will just run my event without the uh, Capcom cut backing, you know, it's it's it, there's so many factors going into this whole entire thing and again you know it's easy to say add more players but then it just costs that much more to fly them all out and house them etc cetera, etc cetera, for you know a, a few number of days it's it's not cheap travel and housing is not cheap right so um <laughs> I'm not in a position to say since I'm not from his scene, but watching Chris Wong trying and not making it in World Warrior last year might have been the opportunity to make him as strong as he is now. I mean, there, again, it's the tricky thing, right? Every format does bring the storylines. Like, we get the storylines. But I got to tell you, man, as a commentator, as a commentator, you know, when we're doing the online CPTs, we have no idea who's getting into that top 16. We only find out who's in the top 16 when we get to the studio. And guys like Ringe and Jeremy start to do the research like an hour before the broadcast on who all the players are. And, uh, and the staff also does a lot of surveys for the players to give us the information on like, what did you do to train? You know, you know what's your funny quote, et cetera, et cetera. You know, but we don't get a chance to build the narrative or the storyline as well as we'd like to. But when you're doing offline, the storyline is the event itself. You talk about who, you know, like what they went through, who are they beating on the way there and the history of the event. And you can kind of build the storyline in a progressive manner because you're there commentating it from the beginning to the end. And I think it's uh, uh, really kind of nice, uh, to be honest with you. So, uh, wait, what do you, maybe Capcom can license CBT and locals and small to sign up for it. Yeah, that was the dojo events. That's what the dojo events uh, were which kind of morphed into the World Warrior one. Uh, so I think Jabali can get more sponsors and charge more. CEO is part of the tour. But see, the problem with that, Shay, is that Capcom can't just accept CEO sponsors. If it streams on Capcom Fighters, Capcom has its own sponsors. Like, what if it's Capcom Fighters bought by Red, brought to you by Red Bull? And CEO is sponsored by Monster. What happens then when we switch to Capcom Fighters, which is the big thing to actually watch and most people are gonna watch, Monster gets screwed by, their, by literally having the rival, a rival brand on the broadcast for the event that they're sponsoring. Right? That's the, uh, that's the confusion, right? That, that's the issue right there, is that Capcom isn't just going to take CEO sponsors and plug them onto the Capcom Pro Tour, right? They have their own broadcasts. They have their own uh, packages. They have their own deals and, 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 and stuff to sell. Uh, let's see. Uh... Uh, the round robin tournament with every player online where participation is mandatory. Evo Las Vegas streamed the SFX on its own channel this year. Yeah, Evo has always been powerful enough to stream on their own channel. 
even back in the days when we were doing all the offline stuff, Evo was the only exception that would run their finals on their channel because Evo was bigger than Capcom Cup and Evo is technically still bigger than Capcom Cup. So Capcom Cup actually had no ability to just be like, hey, Evo, we're streaming on our channel. Evo would be like, oh, whatever, you know? So it's a different kind of situation at that point. Uh, speaking of the storyline of tournaments, I think an interesting way to monetize or build funds for future events would be taking the footage from all these long live tournaments and editing down to something a little more curated with interviews and whatnot mixed in. I think I would pay for a DVD or a Blu-ray uh, for a big tournament and had a bunch of special features you don't get just by watching it live. Yeah, that's expensive to run for something that's probably going to get ripped and put on the YouTube or uh, sharing servers right away, uh, not worth it for most companies. Definitely not worth it uh, for most companies. Um, to, 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 uh, still CPT gonna beef up numbers of entrants and add prestige to the tournament, therefore still help CEO in some direct ways. Yeah, yeah, I've talked about that. So in the video I did a few weeks back, you know, I, I mentioned that, yes, the events do benefit from having the CPT being a part of it because more people fly out, there's more prestige, they'll get bigger attendance, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that is a possibility. Uh, but, you know, the FTC has also grown a lot that, a lot of these events don't need the piggybacking of Street Fighter anymore. Is that they've got a lot of events that are are, are helping. Uh, you know, a lot of games out there. They've got the Tekkens and the and the Guilty Gears and the Grand Blues and and the Dragon Balls and the Mortal Kombat's and all these things like that. It's just it, the FTC is just it's so much bigger now that I'm not sure if that's what they want to do anymore. Co-protations? <laughs> Corporations, yeah. Um, it's tricky. It's a tricky, it's a tricky thing to tackle here. And again, it, it's fun to talk about and it's fun to and it's important to have this kind of discussion. Because again, you know, what I try to do all the time here on this channel is to talk about these topics and really kind of lay it out from all perspectives, right? Because like I said, it's very easy to be selfish and just be like, Capcom should just do this. Look how much money they make from Monster Hunter. Just take some of that money and run Capcom Cup the way that I want it to be run. <laughs> it's very easy for all the armchair TOs out there to say exactly what would, what, how it should be done and how easy it is for it to work. But we have to consider a lot of, you know, the actual logistics and the costs are going to be far greater than anything a lot of people can probably fathom <laughs> right now. Uh, I always turn back to that conversation way back in the showyoucan.com days where I was like, how much do you think the internet for Evo costs for streaming? This is like in 2000, this was like at the beginning of Street Fighter 4 in 2009 or 2010 or something. And the dude on the internet, he was like, well, Evo is charging too much, blah, blah, blah. They should pay out bigger prizes. And I was like, it's way more expensive than you think. How much do you think their internet costs for the weekend? The guy's like, my internet costs like, you know, $60 a month. So I imagine for Evo, it would be like 200 for the weekend. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. This is the end of our conversation here. 
<laughs> this is the end of the conversation. You know, uh, internet for Evo costs, you know, 50,000, 60,000, 70,000 maybe. I don't know. Uh, I'm probably even lowballing it at this point. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like, honestly, it's, it's, people have no idea how much these kind of productions cost. Uh, so, you know, it's not just as simple as just telling Capcom to take Monster Hunter money, put it into Capcom Cup, and everybody will be happy. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, uh, that's a whole different conversation, Jim Kubak. Uh, who who basically says, how do you feel about live service updates and fighting games and the way they impact the preservation of the previous versions of a game? SO5 is the first Street Fighter we've had yet where you cannot go back and play the version you like the most. You are hard locked in to the final patch. Should the community be worried about this? Is it an issue? Should version select be a hot topic? I mean, my answer is yes. <laughs> I've already said that the uh, every version of the game should exist in the game including the patch notes should be in the game like literally in the game you should be able to go and pick chun li and it should give you version history here's this patch here's this patch here's this patch and a little demo video of what the change was between all the different versions and have a video demo of that hazanchu is now unsafe on block hazanchu block like version one block block okay you know, block the Hazanchu, block the low jab. And then change, next version, Hazanchu gets punished by a low jab. Like, it should literally have that in-game because uh, that way, if I skip a bunch of versions and come back to the game four years later, I can see how my character changed from a progressional standpoint, and it keeps the history. And because of that, then the versions will exist automatically in the game itself. So I think that would be cool. That's a whole nother topic. I could talk about it another time. So uh, we'll stop with that uh, at, at that point. So uh, <laughs> um, I think we got some kind of uh, Elven Shadow. Wait, what are we talking about? Elven Shadow? Uh, Frosty Faustings? Elven Shadow. Yeah, uh, Elven Shadow runs that. Uh, coming from NRS, says USA Nails, coming from NRS, where as time goes on, there's less and less money offered in tournaments. I'm always so surprised and delighted that Capcom supports their competitive players to the extent they do. Yeah, that's another way to look at it, is that, you know what? Maybe Capcom's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> Maybe Capcom is just fine, because face it, these the players are making a lot of money, right? Uh, I mean, NRS used to. The players used to make a lot of money, but again, this, again, it's it's indicative of the whole entire situation here, right? Because when you think about it, the reason why it's probably not the play, they aren't paying the players out as much as they used to, is because WB is not seeing the returns from the uh, Mortal Kombat tours or the Injustice tours. These things are not making money for them, right? So it's not up to NetherRealm Studios. It's up to the Warner Brothers guys that are way at the top. Just like the Capcom Pro Tour is not up to the Street Fighter team. It's up to everybody on the top from Capcom. And, you know, from that perspective, Cap the, the guys at the top of Capcom aren't looking at, like, Street Fighter. They're looking at Street Fighter, Monster Hunter, Resident Evil, Devil May Cry, Mega Man, uh, Phoenix Wright, etc., etc. right? There's so much that's on their minds that it's not like... The the, the beautiful thing about League of Legends is that Riot literally just has, like, 
for the longest of time just had the one game. And literally there was nothing, like if they weren't putting money into League of Legends, what were they putting money into? So obviously the LCS was everything for them, right? And that's just not the case for Capcom. That's just not the situation. They've got a lot of their hands in a lot of different areas. And honestly, the Capcom Pro Tour is probably just such a small portion. For a lot of the people at the top of Capcom, they probably just go, oh, there's a Capcom Pro Tour. We've allocated them this budget. And then a year later, they're like, how did it do? <laughs> We lost this much. Oh, well, let's lower the budget for next year. Or we made this much. Oh, that's interesting. Not significantly enough for us to give you more budget. Do the same again this year and let's see if it grows. You know, like that's just kind of uh, what's going on over there, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, Riot is Tencent, but Riot is still Riot. I mean, it's still, it's Tencent on top, but it's, it's, a, it's one of those parent companies that's not actually like directly involved it's not quite the same thing as literally capcom that owns devil may cry and mega man and monster hunter and resident evil you know right and nrs is a subsidiary of warner brothers kind of in that same situation there but again warner brothers is determining the budget for nether realms i don't think 10 cent is naturally not is is determining the budget for Riot. I'm pretty sure Riot is pretty self-sustaining at this point, so. Um, ultimately, a purely gaming company is always more in tune with com community than a large company owned by AT&T, which can, yeah, that's the NRS situation for sure, so. Right, so Bearberry Cheesecake says Tencent is pretty much hands-off on almost everything they control outside of China basically. So, uh, um, so yeah, uh, it, it, we're in a sticky situation right now. What we have to do, and, you know, again, all of my personal goals are on the same path, which is to get more people to watch Street Fighter, because <laughs> in the end, the viewers are going to be what do it, right? The viewers creates the better ad revenue, creates the better discussion, creates the more interest, creates the more word of mouth, et cetera, et cetera, which then convinces company to spend more money on things, right? It's always just going to come down to viewership, viewership, viewership. And I don't know if the FGC has enough of a viewership right now to be able to justify a lot of the, you know, budget changes that we're asking to Capcom to make. So, you know, that's, that's the tough situation uh, that we're in right now. So, um, I wish I had a solution. I came in here with a solution and my solution didn't even work because I had the wrong number of qualifiers and I forgot that they did pools last year, which they're probably going to do again, given the fact that there's 48 players. I don't remember how they went from 48 players to a bracket. I don't remember how they did that. <laughs> Uh, but in any case, yeah, we're, we're in a tough situation here. So, um, I wish, uh, I wish there was an easy solution. It was round robin to get to top 16, right? So 48, 48 divided by 16 is three, right? So it was, it was three qualifiers from every pool. That's what it was. It was three qualifiers from every pool, I think, wasn't it? 
Because it was five players in eight groups, which is 40. That's very shy of the 40. God, I, I can't remember now. <laughs> I was at the event and I commentated and I completely forgot all of, all of that information. It's 47 last year since one region of Online Pirate World was canceled. Right, right, all right. There was, it's supposed to be 48. It was supposed to be 48. Eight groups of six players and six players, so eight groups. So only two players qualified out of the uh, eight groups. So eight groups of six players, two qualified out of each one to get to a top 16. That's how it worked. That's how it worked. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh, man. Imagine if we're like GTA to get seven, 70 million trailer views in 15 hours and break YouTube's first 24 hours record, right? I mean, Rockstar Games wasn't in a hurry to make a new GTA because they were making money hand over fist uh, with GTA 5 online already. <laughs> oh, man. But, you know, they can take their time to make uh, a, a sequel that will live up to everybody's expectations. Oh, man. But, yeah. Uh, anyways, I'm not, I'm now kind of going in circles at this point here. I'm not really, uh, progressing the conversation. So yeah, this is the situation that we're in. You know, I would like Capcom Pro Tour to have a different format so that we support the offline. So, you know, while we won't get all of our favorite players in there, getting more of them so that we don't, so that we can get a Knuckle Dew, a Mena, and Punk all from East Coast in there. Because again, you know, Punk and Knuckle Dew, I think both have said, we'll see how they feel after the event. But after the online CPT East Coast, if they don't make it in, they're probably not going to the last chance qualifiers. Right, they're probably just not gonna bother, uh, to be honest with you. So, uh, so you know, we're in a situation where I don't know what the answer is. I wish I did. I wish I had a good solution on how to how to do this. I wish I could just wave a wand and be like, do both of them at the same time. <laughs> It'll be easy. <laughs> we'll have no sponsor conflicts with the events that we run at. There'll be no issue housing 64 players at Capcom Cup, which will also extend the broadcast time probably an extra day because 64 players in a round-robin format means a lot more <laughs> matches to play. And we don't want to have anyone play not on the stream because that's completely unfair. So now Capcom Cup is now a week and a half long event. You know, like there's so much, like everything... <laughs> avalanches out of control right so we didn't even talk about the fact that 64 players completely extends the production time and cost of all the matches right so you know uh i think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't be happy if we didn't show all the matches on stream and stuff because i made it in the capcom cup i'm samuel from portugal and then i fly all the way out there and i don't get streamed <laughs> Like, really? <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> that would absolutely suck. Uh, was he from Spain? I thought I heard them shout something about Portugal. I thought he was from Portugal, but if he's from Spain, then he's from Spain. So my apologies. Uh, but yeah, like, obviously we need to stream all of them. So if we put 64 players, that extends the broadcast time of the tournament. Just straight up. Expends, extends the broadcast time. Does that mean all the pools 
you know, people are going to say, we need three out of five for all the pools. And it's not going to be three out of five. It's going to be two out of three because it already takes so long just to run this at all, right? So it's, uh, it's, a, it's an interesting situation. But again, sorry to repeat myself, but that's the point of this episode is I just kind of wanted to talk about it and how difficult it is just to make these decisions. Of course, there's the idea that we don't do the CPT online qualifiers, that the World Warrior handles the regionals and we do all the offline premieres, keep it at 48, etc. But like I said, that hurts Capcom a lot because they don't, they don't have, you know, the constant events running for the online qualifiers. They get 18 weekends of CPT onlines and that's uh, really useful for them to have that broadcast. But you'd be like, well, instead of having those, the offline events will take care of it. But again, do those events want to have their stream co-opted and so that they it hurts their sponsorship, et cetera, et cetera. You know, again, it's like every time you come up with a solution, it causes another problem. And there's just so many logistics to spile around there. Again, I'm not in a position where I can solve all these problems. I'm not smart enough to know or aware enough of what the budget for anything is or, you know, a lot of the behind the scenes, you know, advertising, wrangling and all that stuff. I don't know enough, but it's important to be aware of the fact that it is never as simple as we think it is. So... Ah, uh, so there you go. Uh, yeah, simultaneous multiple streams is definitely an option as well. That's definitely something they could do. So, mm, man, I also noticed that when I edit all my videos, and I apologize to everybody, but I, I sniffle a lot, right? I do this like every time I finish a thought, I do that, and I hate it. I gotta learn how to stop that somehow. I don't know how to. Like, it's a weird habit. I'm not sure how I stop that. I'm going to have to figure out a way to do it. In any case, um, so that's all that for this topic. Uh, if you guys are watching this on YouTube, tune in uh, for the next couple of days. You'll see these here. It's a match analysis and a short little video on CFN data that I just thought would be fascinating to share and to show everybody um, just to talk about. Uh, but, uh, I hope you are enjoying the content. I hope you like the discussions that I'm bringing up. I hope that this does make you think about the topic in a little bit more detailed way than just the initial way of just, just do this and it works, which is almost never the actual answer. So hopefully that, you know, this does open your eyes and also, uh, you know, give you a lot more to think about. And maybe some people will come up with some great suggestions in the comments below. So if you have some ideas on perhaps what they could do to actually make this work, you know, just write them down in the YouTube comments below. And uh, again, be sure to like and subscribe to the video as well. So uh, thank you, Ancient Crystal, who says, I do, fun to listen to, better than typical Twitch. Oh, God, that is. Can I actually p copy and paste that uh, into Twitter? Can I use you as one of those testimonial quotes, like those movie testimonial quotes of being like, <laughs> this movie was more fun than a barrel of monkeys, you know, kind of thing. I'm, I'm definitely gonna, I'm gonna write that down over here because that's nice. I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. <laughs> Poke actually says, this has been the best online argument discussion I've seen in years. All right, that's another one that I'm putting into that, uh, I'm putting into my testimonials doc here, my testimonials tweet. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. 
this channel is one of my faves because it's great commentary. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Accolades trailer? What's the accolades trailer? <laughs> right? Put a little spiky golden border around it. <laughs> uh, could that be part of the end credits of the video? If I'm not too lazy with my editing, sure. Uh, we are talk good nice on the internet. Yep. Uh, man. But uh, there you go. Thank you guys for tuning in. For those of you here on Twitch, don't go anywhere because we're going to be continuing with these topics that you see up here. Uh, but for everybody else, uh, thank you for tuning in. And uh, remember that the day that this podcast, as quoted by my stream viewers here, was the most important day of your life. But for me... It was Tuesday. Welcome everybody to It Was Tuesday with your host James Chen, aka Jay Chenzor. Today we're going to talk about a little bit of data that I thought was really interesting and I apologize. Someone linked me to this data and I forgot who it was who linked me this data. I tried to find the tweet or the DM that showed me this and so if you were the one that actually linked me this data, uh, please uh, let me know. <laughs> But uh, what someone actually did very recently, just a week ago, uh, they actually scraped all the ranked data from CFN. Here are some findings and the data if you want it. So uh, I will zoom this in so you can actually see the text a little bit better here. Wow, I cannot shrink this side over here. All right, so uh, let's do it like this. This will work here. All right, so uh, this is from the Reddit user XJPH. So shout-outs to XJPH. All the credit goes to him for all of this uh, CFN data here. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Checking out uh, the other uh, editors. Sorry, we were talking about editing before I started the stream here. Some people suggesting different editors uh, besides Adobe Premiere. Uh, but, um, so here, uh, XJPH mentions here, a few days ago, the subject of numbers and ranked came up and to cut a long story short, it motivated me to write a web scraper that pulled down the entirety of ranking data from CFN. So I could take a look at it more closely than the tools on the Buckler website allow. So about two and a half days of scraping this guy site, I was rewarded with about seven gigs of JSON to crunch through. If you don't know what JSON is, JSON is just a uh, text data organizational format, basically. It's a way to save data as text that's easy to read and parse. And, uh, and basically, there's just billions of tools that already exist out there to help parse that kind of data. So uh, just going through some of the fun facts here, but you know, there's some really, really interesting graphs that will show up here. Uh, they mentioned that random is more popular than Aki in Rookie 1 and Rookie 4. Now, obviously, she's the newest character, so that's going to affect it uh, a lot. 
uh, Ken and Ryu are each other's most popular pocket character. So again, this data, remember the, the CFN data includes every character that a person uses. So if one player uses five characters, all five characters are in there as one user, right? So Ken and Ryu are each other's most popular pocket characters. So in other words, of everybody who plays Ken and Ryu, normally their pocket character is the other guy. But Ken and Kami, in general, are the most common pocket picks, which is interesting. Now, if you look at CFN data, Kami is a very popular CFN character. She's all over the place, and I think it's one of the reasons why a lot of people perceive her to be such a strong character in such high levels. And to be fair, she is really, really effective because she is very straightforward, and she does like exactly what you expect a character to do. You get Oki on all your knockdowns, you have good walk speed, you have good pokes, you have a way to change a jump arc, you have a DP, you have a plus on block spin knuckle that a lot of the lower level players aren't gonna be able to react to. She's got, she's basically like in Street Fighter V, how I always said she was the best character to start with. She was like fundamental, the character uh, for Street Fighter V. In Street Fighter VI, not so much. Like, she's not necessarily the character to represent Street Fighter VI because her drive rush isn't as strong. She's very starved for drive meter. Ken is clearly the best character as a go-to character. Like, if I'm coming into Street Fighter and I'm just going to play the character that's going to help me learn the game the most, Ken is that character, right? But Kami is not a bad pick either. She's still for me, like second or third as one of the best characters to pick for the purposes of learning the game. So uh, I'm not surprised to see that these two characters are two of the most popular, are the two most popular pocket picks for a lot of players. And of course, don't forget that when they say pocket picks, we don't know the order. These p might be people who started the game learning through Ken and Cammy, and then switched to someone else and found someone they like better and now are only exclusively playing the other character. But the fact that the majority of the players who have played more than one character, Ken and Cammy being the two most popular other characters being played, makes complete total sense. Uh, but from Iron 2 and up, Ken is consistently the most popular character by an enormous margin. He is most popular in Bronze 2, in which a full 20% of the player base mains Ken. No surprise. <laughs> is there any shock to this at all? Ken is the most popular character no matter if he's good or not, okay? That's just facts, okay? He is really, really popular. And so, in a way, it's actually kind of important that I think Capcom makes Ken really strong. You know, in a weird way, the fact that Ken is the, in my opinion, the best character in the game, Ken, 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 Ken. That's right, I should be looking at this camera, not that camera. The fact that... <laughs> Ken is actually the uh, is 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 so strong in the game might actually be a wise decision on Capcom's part to make sure that a lot of the people who are picking up the game stick with the game a little bit more, right? It, there's there is some logic to that uh, to to making the character so strong. There is actually a logical reason to make the character strong. 
Um, of the 500 legends, 463 are unique accounts. So remember, again, not very many people who have multiple legend characters. Uh, this is a much higher proportion of unique accounts than in any other rank. Very few players are getting multiple characters to legend comparatively. Which is good, because honestly, again, the way that this game has actually, you know, done the master point system has actually been, I mean, most people say is really accurate and really, really good, because you have to, like, it's, you're not going to just find a good lucky streak to be able to get all the way up to the top. Masters is one of the harder things to actually grow in than, than ever before. Um... So population by rank, this is deduplicated considering only account only an account's highest LP characters. So they scraped through the data, they erased all of the pocket They erased all of the pocket characters and our uh, uh, picture fell off the wall. <laughs> picture fell off the wall. Uh, they've erased all the pocket characters and only have the mains. Uh, on on this data over here and this data obviously it's going to be kind of tough to look at over here because it's all just numbers don't worry this guy is the smart guy <laughs> he did what i used to do in my faqs i like this guy a lot <laughs> but here's all this information over here percentage of total top percentage blah 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 here's all this stuff and the number of players here top percentage just means everybody in rookie one everybody uh, is in rookie one or above and then in rookie two er, like 97.56 players are in rookie two above etc etc and then don't forget that you cannot get demoted uh, in these sections over here but that's why when you actually get down to platinum here this is where stuff starts to change a lot because your win streak bonus ends you can, you can be demoted now and that's where all the data changes but uh, rookie, rookie is the rank, is the rank before iron. You probably don't know what rookie is because when you got placed, you got placed above rookie. <laughs> but if you do really badly in your placement matches, you end up in rookie. Um, or if you pick new player option when you start at rookie. Oh, okay, okay. So if you don't, say, if you say I'm completely new to fighting games, they put you in rookie basically. Okay, makes sense, makes sense. But again, here's Master, as you can see over here, only 7.3% uh, of the players are in Master at all. Uh, but it is a fairly large number. It is a pretty decent number here. But again, the person made a bar chart, and you are a genius, and I love you to death. So if you actually look here, here's Rookie 1 through 5. A lot of people come in here and start on rookie and then whatever. And then, of course, because you can't get demoted here, a lot of players get kind of hard stuck at the bottom of iron, at the bottom of bronze, at the bottom of silver as well. That's why at the start of all of these is such a huge chunk of players because this is basically, the, the you know, you can't get demoted from over here. Uh, but as you can see, in almost every situation, it's, uh, it gets harder and harder as you go, of course. And then uh, Platinum, though. Look at this. Look how many players have made it into Platinum. Platinum is actually the, the largest number percentage of players. Platinum won. 
So the number of players that are in Platinum 1, if you actually look at this, is 9.16%. So almost 10% of the players are actually in Platinum 1. That is the highest number of all of the ranks. So the majority of the players are in Platinum 1. Uh, as you can see here, huge amount of players. But then as you can see here, it gets a little bit harder and harder. And then once you finally get into Diamond, uh, what I'm suspecting too is a lot of people make it into Diamond and they're like, okay, all right, I'm done with rank. <laughs> or, all right, I made it into Diamond, that was a goal. Let's switch characters now. And then so we see a lot of situations where the first rank is where a lot of the players just kind of stop, right? Because obviously Diamond can actually be demoted into Platinum, but I imagine this must be a stopping point uh, for a lot of people. Um, Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, uh, the ranks here do, are not analogous to the ranks in Street Fighter V. Uh, for sure, uh, gold in Street Fighter V was stronger than gold in Street Fighter VI. So people saying in the chat that platinum feels like Street Fighter V gold. Yes, that is definitely true. Uh, diamond here, as you can see, very few people in Diamond 5. And I also think a lot of this is because once you've made it to Diamond 5, you are going to make the push for Master, right? And so that's why we just have this huge, giant influx of people going into Master and nobody in Diamond 5. Because by the time you make it into Diamond 5, clearly you're good enough to make it in Master. And most people at this point will finish the journey into Master. Uh, so, uh, that's the way, uh, that's what ends up with master over here. So, uh, XJPH, if I'm not mistaken, that was his name, XJPH, uh, adds a little bit of his own thoughts here. There are a few patterns here that seem to be the results of the SF6 ranking system. The five ranks being the least populated is likely a result of them feeling a bit like home stretch which is what I was talking about, uh, to get to the next league, plus the fact that each new league until Platinum acts as a backstop, preventing anyone from breaking down. Gold 5 bucks this trend, being more populous than Gold 2 through 4, but Gold 5 is unique in that the rank above is the first time you can get a league demotion, and also the first rank in which the win streak bonus stops, making it harder to climb up and away from Gold 5. So yeah, as you can see here, uh, gold 5, interestingly enough, is has more a percentage of the players here. So yeah, a lot of people make it into Platinum 1 and then probably drop back down to gold uh, so, uh, quite often. Uh, Platinum 1 is, as is well known, the most populous rank of all. Much of this is likely as a result of the win streak bonus stopping, meaning those highly motivated by numbers go up, lose their motivation, and just park here. It is also, as previously mentioned, the first time you can league down, which could have possibly have a chilling effect, causing people to not want to risk demoting to gold. So a lot of people just stop playing, <laughs> which is absolutely possible. Platinum 2 through Diamond 5 is a pretty steady decline in population, with Diamond 1 as an outlier, likely due to the entry into Diamond League, feeling like a good stopping place to many players. There is no de de demotion protection here, uh, or any other, okay, he crossed this out. A couple of people have pointed out that placement matches can put you here, which would account for some uplift. Right, so a lot of people, maybe they just did their placement matches, got put there, and then never played. <laughs> 
Diamond 5 is the least popular of all ranks by far, being the home stretch before home stretch before reaching master is probably a pretty significant contributor here, uh, coupled with the fact that you cannot rank down from master back into Diamond 5. Ah, there he is. Hey, guess what, uh, audio listeners at home? It's that time again. <laughs> I get to snuggle my cat. Oh, hi, Nathan. Oh, I can hear you purring. Hi, boy. Hi, boy. Hi, boy. My cats have been so snuggly the past few days. Yeah. What a good boy. Oh, he's trying to get away. Look at him. He's like, let go of me, daddy. Let go of me. Okay, there you go. Okay. <laughs> then we hit master rank. Oh, you are pressing on my mouse. I cannot use my mouse because you're pushing on my hand. Nathan is pushing on my hand. <laughs> Nathan, Nathan. They are 10 years old. My cats are over 10 years old. Oh, you're going to knock down Optimus Prime. You're knock down Optimus Prime. Please do not, no, do not rub against Optimus Prime. Do not <laughs> rub against Optimus Prime, please. Please, please. Hi. Hi. Good boy, good boy. Good boy being nice, cuddly. Oh, right, the mouse. I gotcha. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Uh, what am I trying to do here? Okay, there we go. All right. Oh, here he goes. Lies down. He wants the belly rub. He wants the belly rub. All right, all right. We got to do the cat distraction. I'm sorry. This, this just has to happen here, but I don't think anybody minds. Uh, is it this one here? Nope. Yes, it is this one. There we go. Uh, 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 there we go. Hi, Nathan. Oh, cat distraction. Oh, look at this guy. Look at this guy. Look at this guy. Oh, look at this guy. Oh, oh, you are so happy. You are so happy. What a boy. I can definitely hear him purring. <laughs> and yes, there's Optimus Prime. Lego Optimus Prime. If you're wondering what Optimus Prime I'm talking about, about to get knocked down. Hi. Hi. See, secretly my cat is my, my, my secret weapon to hopefully get my Spotify listeners to actually uh, come and watch my YouTube video so they can see cute cat. They can see cute cat. Yeah, look at him rubbing his head against my microphone as usual. Uh, hi, buddy. Hi. Hi, buddy. Hi. Hi. Oh, look at this guy. Oh, what are you doing to my microphone? What are you doing? You are knocking my microphone down. And now you are kicking my mouse. And now, are you gonna lie down for more belly rubs? Is that the goal here? No, 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 leave Optimus Prime alone. No, no touching Optimus Prime. No touchy. No touchy on Optimus Prime. No touchy. No touchy. I don't need you knocking down my Lego Optimus Prime here. No, oh, there you go. He wants more belly rubs. Oh, this guy. Look at this guy, dude. Look at this guy. Look at this. 
chunk. What a chunk. What a chunk. Don't please don't turn on my PlayStation 4. There's no reason to do that right now. <sighs> this guy trying to distract me from my work over here. I'm trying to run a stream here, Nathan. I'm trying to run a stream here, although I'm pretty sure most people don't mind this. They probably would prefer seeing this cat. Oh, look at this guy. Oh, look at you. Look at you rubbing your head into my hand all day. Oh, hi. Hi. Oh. <laughs> hi. Hi, buddy. Hi, buddy. Oh, you like the ear scratch? You like the ear scratches? Oh, yeah, you like that. I know you like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Can I get back to my stream now, Nathan? Can I get back to my stream now? Is this something that I can do? Is that is that cool? Are you okay with if I keep if I keep streaming right now, Nathan? Can I get back to my discussion here? Is that cool? Is that cool, Nathan? Is that cool, Nathan? Oh, oh look at him. <laughs> is it okay if I get back to my stream? Is it okay? Is it okay? Oh, 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 oh. okay. Ah, all right. Put this back up over here. He wants the belly rubs again. Now he's knocking over some my. Oh God, you're just—he's just trying to thwack my my KOF sodas off of the table right here. Jesus, Nathan, you have absolutely no chill with that tail, dude. The tail is the destroyer of worlds, I swear to God. Oh, I have another cat. <laughs> I have another cat. They don't do a very good job entertaining each other, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Uh, oops. Uh, yoink. There we go. Okay, there we go. All right. Let's get back to this. Then <laughs> we hit master rank. So let's actually take a look at this master rank data over here. Master rank sticks much more closely to the bell curve you'd expect from a normal distribution of skill levels. So yeah, you can see over here that, wow, somebody in master rank has actually dropped all the way down to 700 points. Oof. <laughs> Only one person has actually dropped all the way down there. Oof. But as you can see here, yep, a pretty standard bell curve distribution here. Uh, thank you, Faye Lorican. Thank you. Um, but yes, yes, and he will mention that. But you know what? The interesting thing is, Factory Worker 1, when you say probably stop playing after reaching master, please take a look at these lines right here. Uh, for those of you listening, the one rank over here is 1450 to 1499, your score, and there are 8,408 players. But the next level is actually 1501 to 1549 with 8,896 players. XJPH has literally skipped 1500 here in this chart. As he explains here, the eagle-eyed among you may have noticed that exactly 1,500 is omitted from the graph. 
There are 4,820 master ranked players with 1,500 MR, most likely a result of it being the amount of MR you start with. So someone who reaches master league then stops, will just sit at that level. If you want to picture the graph with those players included, just extend the 1501 to 1549 bar to be 1.5 as long as it is now. Yes, you start at 1500. You start at 1500. There are slightly more players overall below 1500 MR than above. So 24,880 versus 20,695. That means MR is likely very slightly inflationary for those above the midline as new players enter adding 1,500 more points to the pool than more often will not loot. <laughs> I just messed up that sentence completely. This means MR is li likely very slightly inflationary for those above the midline as new players enter adding 1,500 more points to the pool then more often than not, we'll lose some of them to more skilled players. Okay, I don't know how to process that sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> On average, the top players lead by a larger margin than the bottom players lag, but the very farther extremes of the bottom lag behind way more than the very top stands out in front. Poor guy with 703 MR. Interestingly, when omitting duplicate accounts, and only counting a player's highest MR character, the mean MR drops from 1,500, which it statistically must be, since all players enter with that amount, to 1,495. Right, so understand that every time a player enters master, they, end, they add 1,500 to the total, and every person who wins, wins the same amount of points as the other person loses. So whatever points get added to the pool is exactly how many points will be in the total forever. In other words, uh, you, no one can ever gain 20 points while the other guy loses seven. So the total points will never fluctuate. You gain 15, the other guy loses 15. You gain seven, the other guy loses seven, etc., etc. So Every time a new player adds 1,500 to the pool, the new total is the exact total of points in the entire master rank. And then the next player comes in, adds another 1,500 points to the entire pool. So yes, if you account for repeat, every player averages out to 1,500 because that's just how many players came in and put 1,500 points in there. So uh, you cannot derank from masters. You cannot derank from master. Uh, so that's something that Factory Worker 1 asks here. So again, if you omit the duplicate, uh, duplicate accounts, so in other words, people who have gotten more than one character in the master, uh, the mean actually drops to 1495. Those with multiple master rank characters must also be better than the average master rank player. So their alts sequester away some MR and lowers the average when they are excluded. This isn't surprising, but is interesting to actually see in the data. So any more he asks here, if there are any other questions here, uh, more data, uh, going to links of specific comments where I provide other slices of this data here. So, uh, oh, interesting. They have a control type by rank. Ooh. Let's see here. 
Wow, look at this. This is interesting. Classic versus modern by rank. I hadn't actually looked at this data here, but it's actually almost 50-50, like at the start. So at rookie one through five, it starts at 57% modern players. And then at rookie five, by then it actually gets to 50%. So if you look at it, every rank that it goes up, modern keeps dropping and classic keeps growing. So by the time we get to iron, it's basically 50-50. And then at iron two is when classic finally starts taking over with 52.5 versus 47.5. And as we keep going, by the time we hit to say gold, we're now at two thirds at classic and one third at modern. When we get to platinum, we're at 75% classic and 25% modern. Diamond is now 83 versus 16% uh, or 17%. And then once we get to master, it's actually 90% versus 10%. It's interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. So um, basically the modern players aren't sticking around to get to the higher ranks as a lot of the classic players, which might actually be an indication that although Master is helping onboard a lot of people, that they don't stay as long as the classic players. Very fascinating. There's a lot of theories that can be applied to this. Maybe classic players, once they get to a certain level, actually switch to, they start as modern and then switch to classic. So maybe some players, the reason why the percentage drops off is maybe that they, they started with modern down here and as they reached a higher level, they just switched to classic. So their characters are no longer listed as modern, but they're listed as classic now. We don't know how much history these classic players have used modern up. We don't know the history of how much of these classic players used modern on their way up here. But uh, there's a lot of theories. So for example, uh, Bitfrost says, I would think it's mostly because most modern players are not returning SF players. Uh, maybe, or JNV says, maybe the moves lost by modern become too important at high ranks, et cetera, et cetera. But it really, really fascinating here. Really fascinating. And it's interesting that it's literally just a straight line. <laughs> like this is about as straight line as you can get like from 57% in rookie one, all the way down. Like, I don't think the number ever goes up. The number literally drops, even in tiny bits. And I think the one time I saw it go up was literally, uh, yeah, rookie five to iron one, which was from 50.09 to 50.65. But outside of that, like, which basically is negligible, it's always decreasing until the point we get to master where only 10% of the players are using classic, uh, using modern. Very fascinating. It's actually really cool. Really cool data to see over here. And then, uh, let's see, players by number of characters at master rank. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> So in other words, 
70% of the masters, players in masters, are only using one character. So the majority of them, 70% of them only have one character. 16% of the players have two characters in master. And then predictably, it starts to really drop down. Three characters is only 6%. Four characters is only 3%. Five characters, 1.5. Six characters is even less than 1%. And it keeps dropping all the way down. But, interestingly enough, <laughs> uh, between 20 and 21, it actually increases because these 82 players <laughs> who have actually gotten every character to master, every single character to master, are going to be people obsessed with that goal so you know if you've gotten to 20 you're getting to 21 by that point so a lot of people are probably at 20 so actually between 19 and 20 it actually increases as well because a lot of these 20 players probably got Rashid to master and then just haven't gotten Aki to master yet so 35 players have gotten Rashid there and then are just missing Aki basically more, more than likely and Honestly, might be just because Aki is actually kind of difficult. And a lot of them, yeah, Factory Worker 1 says they're all streamers. Probably, probably the majority of these guys are streamers over here. We might be able to name all 82 of these people if we think about it carefully. Uh, but yeah, interesting that 70% uh, of the, the characters in Master are, are, are one player, uh, are one players. But uh, a lot of the, um, sorry, I said that wrong. 70% of the characters in Masters are unique to the player. That is the only character that they've gotten to Master. And then from there, obviously, it starts to drop off. But 16% with two characters in Masters is actually pretty impressive. Is, is actually, uh, might actually be a little more than I would have expected it to be. Uh, but again, neat data here uh, as well. Uh, let's see here. Uh, rank populations character counting only players active this month. Interesting. Okay. So we actually only look at players who have actually played only in the last month. Uh, oh, I see. He doesn't have the graph chart. He doesn't have the, uh, the, uh, the, the graph bar over here. Uh, but I mean, it's still pretty similar to what we expect. Uh, it still follows most of the curve that we're expecting. Uh, but the fact that master has 12.7% compared to 7% of the total players who have ever played the game. So in other words, obviously, players in Master are going to be just more active in general because they're clearly dedicated to the game. <laughs> they're clearly dedicated. So there you go. Again, some really interesting data here. Nothing, I think, that's super, super shocking. Most of it is pretty much what we are looking into, but it's just fascinating to look into because I saw a lot of people in the chat that are just like, I just love this kind of stuff. I love this information. So I just kind of wanted to share it with you guys. Again, all the data was uh, farmed by XJPH. Uh, I'm just using his content for my own content. <laughs> no, but uh, honestly, major shout outs to XJPH. 
uh, for doing all this, uh, for grinding out all this data and, you know, providing this publicly so that I can talk about it. Uh, that's, you know, in, in um, so I can talk about the, 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 the data over here. And I think that's really cool. Wow, 500, so do you do in 50 MR increments? Dang, really? <laughs> that, is, uh, that is crazy here. Uh, but yeah, there you go. So that's all the data there uh, that I have. So um, hope you found that as fascinating as I did. Uh, oh, the link, of course, good call. Uh, did I accidentally close the tab? Did I close the tab? Why would I have done that? That was weird. Um, hey, that's the nature of the business these days, man. Transformative content is what they call it, where you take someone else's content and then turn it into your own content, which is all TikTok does. Why does TikTok have so much content of people just watching other people's content? It's the dumbest thing in the world, but anyways. Uh, I just put the link in the chat. I'll put the link in the description below as well. Uh, so you guys will see that as well. But again, very fascinating data. So if you guys want to look at that data yourself, go and, and, and uh, check that out. Uh, so you can actually look at all the data yourself and process the data in your own way. I know Polk's been talking about analyzing data and stuff like that. So this is a great, good place for him to start on some uh, cool, fun data. Uh, <laughs> to be frank, they they all taking Street Fighter Six content to make that content. Yeah, basically. So it's all Capcom's content in the end. So um, yeah, it'd be really interesting to see if there was a way. It, it, it'd be sick if he could actually publicly put it out there. But the hard part is obviously to update so constantly. He would have to keep updating it as it goes. And again, that was seven gigabytes of JSON data. And again, JSON data is all text. And if you know how much text it takes to get to seven gigs, that is a lot of data to process. <laughs> that is a lot of data to process. So um, I want to see data on what buttons are pressed at round start. That is a fascinating question, uh, Necromancy Black. That is a fascinating question. But there you go. Uh, yeah, just interesting CFN data. Again, nothing super shocking. Just fascinating to see and to kind of reaffirm what we, you know, what we pretty much would have expected in those situations. The modern classic one was actually, although in the end it's like, yeah, okay, I kind of expected that. It was still really cool to see that. Yes, indeed, that is how it is working out. All righty. Okay, thank you guys for tuning in for this little CFN data here. Again, shout outs to XJPH. It is all his work uh, and doing there. So again, all credits to him for even having the for even me having the ability to read to you a lot of the data here. And that's why I also wanted to make sure that I read his words because I wanted to make sure his thoughts were also conjoined with his data uh, as well. So uh, thank you guys for tuning in. For those of you here on uh, YouTube, uh, I'm going to do another match analysis over here. So please take a look out for that. Uh, but uh, for those of you here on Twitch, don't go anywhere. We'll be keeping on going. Uh, but again, thank you guys for tuning in. Leave comments below on the data yourself and you know what, anything about the data that actually surprises you or if it's all just what you expect. But uh, 
For the day that this podcast graced your ears was the most important day of your life. But of course, as always, for me... It was Tuesday, 